that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola with my partner in crime, the notorious P.O.B., Patrick O'Boyle, the Italian-American Wikipedia himself. It is a beautiful May day uh, as we record this episode, and we are hot off the heels of so much great stuff going on. Uh, it's been a busy week. First of all, we're going to have an episode on this next week. Um, we've got some guests coming on, but big news for those of us who root for the Southern teams in Italian soccer. Napoli is the Serie A champions for the first time in 33 years, uh, which is really Wild. It's the first time a Southern team has won since, I guess, if you count Rome, 2000, so 22 years. It's 22 years since a team that wasn't Juventus, Milan, or Inter has won. So big, big news. And last night, the uh, the notorious Nicole made an appearance last night in an Italian-American event. So, you know, it must have been important. We got to hang out with uh, Nicole I was and stunned. It's like, an, it's like a Marian apparition. Which <laughs> like every 80 years, out of nowhere... Maris pops up. I, I was really kind of like shocked. I was I was honored to be at a, a Nicole sighting. Yeah, we went to the movie premiere of uh, Sebastian Maniscalco's new comedy about my father, all about his Sicilian dad meeting his uh, Medigan in-laws for the first time, which was a lot of fun. We had a really good De Niro's in it, great cast. Uh, it was nice to do that. It was kind of a nice reward for all the years of working in the Italian-American community to be part of something like that. It was fun. It was. I was very excited because we got popcorn. Yeah, they gave there were two varietals. That one was buttered, one was Mediterranean. You think that was to like that? Uh, as now I think about it in retrospect, was that the play on the whole theme of the movie? The kind no, of Medigan for Jewish people who have kosher laws who had a steak a half hour before and oh. vegetarians. I didn't know that. I didn't even yeah. think about that. That's why one was buttered and people with lactose intolerance. I <laughs> she had a buttered, a dairy and non-dairy version. I was writing this whole script in my head as we're talking about it, about, you know, maybe this was the Italian one. Maybe this was the American one. No, you're right. That makes sense. It's dietary. Don't they keep like Jewish plates? Aren't the blue ones the dairy and the red ones the meat? Yeah, there's something about not mixing. them. They have identifiable plates. Yeah. Because the bags were not color coordinated. No, they were not. You had a you had to look deep and hard. No, but they were labeled, though. They weren't excited. I was so excited to get a personalized bag of popcorn. It made it feel real. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice to do that. It was very nice. It was a lot of Italian-American, um, as this is an evolving genre, there was a lot of Italian-American social media personalities, I guess you would say. So it was nice to get to see other people. Yeah. They did a nice job of reaching out to the community. A lot of people we know got invited, and uh, it was nice. It was all red, white, and green everywhere. It was good to feel like we were part of something that was explicitly about our Italian identity in 2023. It made... Uh, when was the last time you think you had an Italian-American... A, 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 a movie that branded itself as an Italian-American-themed movie? It's a great question. That wasn't mafia-related or somehow, yeah. you know? Yeah. I don't... Honestly, if you take out something that's like not mafia or mafia-adjacent... Moonstruck? I don't really know. Think about it. Moonstruck? I mean, Mainstream? Fast 1980... I mean, you talk about like main. I mean, this had Robert De Niro and Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah, I mean, it had it had, it had major, yeah. major, pers- major. Yeah, I guess you'd say film stars in it, major entertainment personalities. Yeah, but I that had no reference at all to organized crime or anything. You know, I mean, of course, they had certain um, references that that harken back to De Niro and and Goodfellas, and I won't yeah, give it but away. But you know, it was it wasn't thematically involved. No, I'm trying to think. There was a couple. There's a movie like um, in the '90s. I think Marissa Tomei was in where she 
goes to Rome, but that may just be Rome. And there was there's a movie that came out a couple of years ago set in Little Italy, but it's like two warring pizzeria families and none of the actors. I think maybe Michael Badalucco was in it. He might have been the only Italian. Was that? I think that was a Canadian-made film. I'm probably it. I mean, with all due respect to our friend Michael, it felt like a Canadian-made film. I've never seen it, but just the trailers and stuff. But yeah, I, I can't think of a mainstream movie. If you can think of one out there, I'd love to know because I, I haven't really been able to think of one. And it's a great point. And it, and it felt kind of nice because it wasn't. I'm not going to want to give away the movie, but it, it wasn't reductive. It didn't kind of play on uh, tropes. That's an SAT word, reductive. I don't even know if I say that right. How would you define reductive? Didn't reduce us to something stereotypical or uh, a parody. I mean, there was a lot. I mean, there was certain caricatures. But they were in tribe ones. I really liked that. They were ones that like we could chuckle at, but not necessarily. Well, we weren't being laughed at. We we're kind of laughing with. I, I felt. And it didn't take any cheap shots. You know what it brings me back to? You know what I was thinking of when we were there? Cisco and e- Egbert? Cisco and Egbert? Yeah, yeah. Cisco and Egbert. The, yeah. Who were the big, that kind of dates us to a sense that we know them, who were the big, huge movie reviewers. I think they worked for the Chicago Tribune. Yes. And um, they were really rough on Fatso when Fatso came out in 1980. Is that right? I think that Fatso is the probably, I think it's probably the best on Italian-American film that, um, I don't want to say encapsulates because that's kind of limiting. That I don't want to say defines, and I think that's equally limiting. That portrayed an Italian American experience. It captured something for sure. It captured because I think Moonstruck, as well done as it was, it's nice not to have Dolores on today because she'd go apoplectic. <laughs> she hates both those movies. She hates by the those way. movies, but I think yeah. I think that Olympia Dukakis is Greek. Yeah, right, and she did a great job, but she's still Greek. There's a certain I think a lot of the success of The Sopranos, whether you love it or whether you hate it. The fact that the casting was done so predominantly from the New York metro area, you can't deny that that kind of went to the entire experience. That's what they say about The Godfather all the time. Like The Godfather was not the first movie about uh, the organized crime or the mob or anything, but it was the first one where the writer, director, uh, major acting talents, if their character was intended to be Italian-American, they were Italian-American. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, again, whether you love it or hate it, there was a lot of familiarity that was brought in from that, you know, because you, you, you're just interpreting differently. And I felt that way about this movie. I felt like it was definitely not written about us. It was written by us, which was great. What is Cher ethnically? Armenian? Armenian. Yeah. So you think the two biggest roles in Moonstruck by, were by an Armenian and a Greek? Yeah, exactly. And you can, you can argue there's some kind of Mediterranean kindredness to it, but it's still not. It's still different. Yeah, it's still different. Though I think that Vincent Gardelli is probably one of the greatest Italian-American actors that's so often overlooked. Yeah, never gets the credit he deserves. And, and a great performance in that movie, too. Unbelievable, that guy. Well, he was the token Italian-American on Archie Bunker. We forget about that. Yes, that's right. That's right. Wow. And it yeah. was, you know, and it was, and I think the benefit, you know, Archie Bunker could add a gangster next door, but he has, I forget what his name is on Archie Bunker. I can't remember. But he's coming over all the time, singing opera, carrying a pontoon and kissing Archie. Yeah. So it was kind of a very positive, probably it was the most positive ethnic portrayal that was on that show. Yeah, probably. That and the Irish Monsignor. Frank Lazaro. Stephanie sending us the Frank name of the Lazaro. character. Stephanie, that's why we got. Stephanie, did you Google it that quickly? No, I knew it because my mother watches it. Sorry to break in. It's Frank Lorenzo. Frank Lorenzo. Yeah, it was Frank and Irene Lorenzo. Frank and Irene, yes. No, Lorenzo. See, there how she goes. How come they don't have Stephanie's? How come Stephanie has a picture up and I, I got She only live. jumped in. She was off mic, you know? She's behind the scenes. Can't we just will. substitute me with a painting? 
Yeah, that's what I, I, I will I mean, do it's kind of weird. Look at this. I'm not getting cut off. But I do have, I'm very patriotic and supporting. And I do have my Red Panthers t-shirt on. Yes, thank you. So you that. all great leader. I do. I do. And I didn't even, it was the hand of God. I didn't even purposely. You just pulled it out of the laundry. Yes, I just, it was nice and crisp. For those of you who know that John is a t-shirt designer. Yes, but I John am. is as well a t-shirt producer. Yes, I am. Yeah. And all yeah. John's t-shirts are well made. Well, the Panthers have a big night tonight, and uh, yeah, it's been an exciting time to be a Panthers fan the past couple of weeks. It really has. Everybody is super enthusiastic. You know, we had a big Italian-American night there this year. Did you really? Yeah, my mother's been doing it for the past couple of years. They do like a feast outside, and I've never been able to make it down because she does it around St. Joseph's Day. Uh, you know, that's her Sicilian. Didn't the Mets can their Italian-American night? Is that correct? So the Italian-American Baseball Foundation which is a great organization that we support a lot. Pat Wonderful a lot people. Of their oh, Your uncle Frank people. very kindly invites yeah. me every year to his table, which I very yeah, much he's appreciate. Awesome. We're going to have them on the show at some point in the summer. Um, they've done an amazing amount of work. You know, they're part of the team that worked on the World Baseball Classic with Mike Piazza. They bring a lot of Italian-American talent to Italy to play baseball, a lot of people of all backgrounds to learn about baseball and Italy at the same time. And they've been working with teams across major leagues to get Italian American nights on the calendar, you know, giveaways and stuff. And the Yankees, I guess, amongst many teams this year, agreed to do it. The Yankees agreed to do five Italian American Heritage Nights, which I think is amazing. Uh, and the Mets, for some reason, just wouldn't meet with them. And it became like a big stink in the Italian American, you know, social media sphere because they kind of basically went out and said, look, you know, if you're a Mets fan, we just have to let you know. They refused to meet with us for some reason, and they eventually caved. So I guess they're meeting with them now, and they're going to try to have an Italian-American night or something. But, I mean, the Mets' seventh-inning stretch song after they play Take Me Out to the Ball Game is Che La Luna Mezzo Mare by Lou Monti. I don't understand how they could resist an Italian-American night. They play that every night. Uh, you're in a post-ethnic America. Yeah. yeah. That's not, it, you know. Ethnicity is a dissipating identity. Yeah, I guess that's true. I had that conversation this morning. Well, it gets to the point of why we're here today, right? Because for certain people ethnicity is not dissipating and it's an area to double down and we've talked on the show a lot about your feast the feast of our lady of sacramonte that you revived uh had gone dormant many many years ago and you brought it back what 2017 oh john i um no more than that 2012 2012 right 2012 yeah so a long long time this is the 10th year because covid i mean with Anthony Shilia, who we have with us today, we kind of did like a, I mean, we were in the heart of COVID. We were in May of, of 2020. Yeah. So we did an online Zoom feast for what that's worth. I mean, we tried, we did the best we could, but this is the actual 10th recurrence. This 10th year. recurrence, 11th 11 11 year kind of 10th recurrence. And you've inspired a lot of people out there in our audience. I know we get a lot of letters that people have revived feasts in their ancestral societies or revived the societies. And uh, it's great to say so the guys at San Leuccio and uh, Charlie Spada. With St. John the Baptist. Yeah. In South really Jersey. Exciting. Jay Rutino with San Leucho. Yeah. Genepecchia, Pecha, depend on how you pronounce her name in Denver. Um, with a lady of Mount Carmel. I think that people are intimidated to get the ball rolling. But as a person of faith, once the ball gets rolling, it takes on a life of its own. You're not the one driving the car. You're just kind of like, you got a really good co-pilot. You're just kind yeah. of steering it along. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. I could see that in your experience with it. So for today's episode, Pat had this vision to introduce some of the people that have helped him get this thing back on its feet and really thriving. I mean, it's a thriving feast right now. We highly recommend if you're in or around the New York, New Jersey area, or you're able to make your way out 
on the weekend of May 20th, you should definitely consider coming out, not just because you get to hang out with us for a little bit, but because it's a fun beast. It's a full day, a lot of interesting components. I'll let you kind of talk about well, it. And uh, It's kind of evolved. We call it now the weekend of Amarona because Eric Lavin, who's who's part of the family, the people from Spearlinga in Newark, down next Newark, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, their patroness is uh, Maronda La Fontana, Our Lady of the Fountain, and they have a new statue. They paid a lot, a lot of money for it. They raised a lot of money for it, pushing $20,000. They have a new statue that they just got made by Stu Flesser in the north of Italy to be an exact replica of the statue that's in Calabria. And they have it coming to Newark. I mean, right now it could be coming, any day now. It's in customs as we speak. So their feast is Sunday, May 21st. That's only 10, 15 minutes from mine. We're Saturday, May 20th. And some people are making a weekend out of it. Some of our future leaders are actually coming down for it. Yeah, I love that. That was that's very inspiring to, to keep it going. But I, the reason the people that I have on today is first to thank them for their support because they, they've been either through uh, monetarily supportive or media supportive or just a pat on the back supportive. Their efforts have allowed me to do what I've done because I haven't done it really. We have done it. And besides thanking them, I want to send a message out there to everybody that. You have to help the Charlie Spotters. You have to help the Genepechias. You have to help uh, the Jay Rutinos because people take these projects on to revive these feasts. And it's kind of like you're better off not knowing what you're going to get into until you get into it. And then you you realize it's going to eat up a lot, a lot of your time, a lot of your personal time. Um, it's going to eat up a lot of your personal financial resources. It's going to eat up uh, just, you know, just a lot. Of, it's going to take a lot out of you and you can't do it alone. You know, it's it's the raising the child via the village. You need a lot, a lot of support. And I want to encourage people out there to support people who've taken on these projects and to see what the people who have helped me. I want to spotlight today the people who have helped me. Um, we have this year, and, and John is John is 100% on the top of that list. John, really, I should say, without you. Uh, like my uh, the Paraganos, you know, uh, the Paraganos are not on. Um, Larry Paragano was my first donor. Larry Paragani gave, gave me my first check. That influx allowed me to build the stuff that we've built. I mean, we have a huge, beautiful carrier. It's heavy. It takes a lot of men to, men to, to lift it, but it's beautiful. We have a canopy that you, John knows when I went canopy shopping in Naples. <laughs> it's a great memory for me. I, I went to get the biggest one possible, right? Yeah. Uh, the gentleman at Serponi in Naples, who's, who's the guy who manufactures all the stuff for the Italian feasts in Italy, um, I want to get an even larger one than the one I got. And he said, you could get that, but then you'd be bigger than the Vatican. <laughs> so out of respect to the Petrine Sea, I rolled it back a bit. And um, Nick, Fran, you, Valerie, uh, your financial generosity last year, which came out of the blue, which I didn't expect, and you overwhelmed me with your kindness. I have a huge gonfalone, John knows, right? It's like almost nine feet tall. It's like, I don't know, 20 feet wide. It's just huge. It's absolutely huge. We're going to have in the procession this year. I don't know how we're going to carry this thing. I have the poles being made to carry it, manufacture right now. Because in the south of Italy, in really big processions, there is this tradition of a um, banner that's called a, like a wind sail banner, Gonfalone Alvelo, which is like a, a banner that's like a sail. And in large processions, there'd be an image of whoever the patron was, whoever being honored, and usually a field of stars or color specific to the saint 
And that would be carried. It would take three men to hold the pole. One guy to hold the pole, two guy to handle ropes. It's like a sail. You got to steer it. And then you need a couple guys in the back to hold the edge of it. And everybody said, well, everybody says I'm crazy. I don't need a special occasion for that. <laughs> um, but everybody says you're nuts. You're not going to do it. I did it. Right. So how did we get it done? I found one online on eBay in Naples. It was one of St. Anthony. I forget what town. Maybe it was Afragola that it was being sold from. I had it shipped to the banner manufacturer. The banner, it was in the north of Italy, who's done very, very, don't say past the racist, right? Because I get my banner stuff made in the north of Italy, right? It's one big happy country. They, they've never done anything like this. So they had to take the actual 100-year-old banner that I bought on eBay that had shipped to them. They had to deconstruct it to make their models, their plans. And they did it. And it's here. I had no idea about that. The only other feast that has one is Marandi Martiri in Hoboken. They had theirs made here. But the reason I was able to make it was the financial support of people who dug in and who helped me. Because John knows, because John is one of my financial supporters, it's an expensive event to run every year. Yeah. And I can do a lot of it on my own. I can't do all of it on my own. And that's why when people come around and help, they allow to bring things to the next level. I can't believe you revived something like that. Me? Well, no, but I mean, Me? I can't believe you're able to track one down. Because I'm that's, and... I'm good at that. I can't program a phone. I can't yes. change the background on my Zoom. No. Right? Can't. I'm very, John knows me. I can't, when I travel, I need like a babysitter. <laughs> I need a lot of, there's a lot of things I can't get done. Yeah. Freaked out, whacked out stuff like that I can get done. I think it's amazing that you got a manufacturer in Italy to deconstruct and reverse engineer something that hasn't been done in 100 years. I think that's amazing. This is a lot. I am that whacked out. Yeah. But I needed help. I needed a team. That's why you need a team. You really do need a team. But let's introduce you need everybody this whole team. To but let's introduce Fran. I'm going to start with Fran because now I see everybody's pictures here. Fran was one of my major donors last year. We have deep and many connections with Fran, right? Uh, Fran's late father was a master mozzarella maker who taught me how to make cheese. The cheese I can make today is thanks to learning at her father's side, right? Her mother is a major panadwasta maker, right? Hard bread for sale maker. Fran's uh, family came from Vatola, which is like two towns over from San Mango. And they're the towns that all have a devotion to Maron de Mont, and they settled in Jersey City. And Fran was a big help last year. Like I said, Fran's also John Marino's cousin from Nyath, and I know the family a very long time. Nick Fideli. Nick, I often, when people ask me, Nick, I don't know, I, when people say, who is Nick Fideli? I said, he's the John Viola of Cleveland. <laughs> wow, that's that's a lot to live up to, right? But there. should I say? That's but a, when people in Cleveland, apologies, who, Nick. No, you got to say the Fakino, the one who carries the bags at the <laughs> airport. Like when you go used to land at Rome, the Fakinos there that would be there. They wouldn't put deodorant on. They wear the same shirt all week. I'm that guy. No, you know my love for Cleveland. Yes, and in Cleveland, people say, "Who's John Viola?" I can say he's the Nick Fideli of New York. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it goes both ways. I'm honored to be in that company. If You know that. If I ever had to leave New Jersey, I would happily go into exile in Cleveland. I've said that. Well, you're famous. You're famous here already. Well, I got famous friends. I know you. I know Basil. <laughs> I know all the A-listers. I know, I know Gabriella. <laughs> I mean, all the Italian-American A-listers in Cleveland, they're like all That's friends. That's true. It wasn't hard. That is very true. Nick is a member. Nick is, is, is a vice delegate of the Constantinian Order for the Midwest. He is a pillar of Catholicism. In Cleveland, though I don't think Cleveland is the Midwest. Cleveland is like the last stop on the East Coast. Very supportive of the church, of the Institute of Christ the King. Nick is one of my helpers, one of my sponsors. Valerie, I did not know. Nothing inspired me. Valerie, you inspired me beyond words. 
And I waited a year to thank you for this. Well, thank you. I didn't know who you were. When we put the GoFundMe up, I got a major gift from that. I'm like, who is this lady? Like, why is she helping me? I don't even know. Who she, like, there's some people I embarrass, I shake down, right? I could have been a fundraiser for a Catholic organization because I had all those, like those nun moves, like make you feel bad till you gave Republican back. But Valerie, <laughs> I didn't even know you. And you and you you helped us. And yeah, thank you. I, I just here, I'm here to say thank you. You're very welcome. And there's so many other people who gave in the GoFundMe, Owen Taylor, Nick Sombrato, Heather Crowder, so many people from the podcast listening world who helped. And they are the godparents because the, the Neapolitan term, when you donate something, you become the godparents. So the, the gumbara, the gumara of, of what you donated, right? So all the people who helped with the GoFundMe last year, the people who are on live now or who gave on their own, they are the godparents of the Gonfalone. And they will stand around the Gonfalone this year when it is blessed because they're the godparents. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The other person who comes after Valerie that I want to publicly thank is Anthony Shelia, because everybody has gifts and talents that they bring to the table that make things happen the way they do. And what Anthony does, and not everybody, not everybody's in a situation to give financially, right? And that doesn't mean you can't give. Everybody can give something, but you can give different things. Anthony has dedicated his life and his, his, his blessed Wife lets him do it. And he travels all around the country, kind of like Paul Percelli did, filming Italian-American feasts, taping Italian-American feasts, exploring Italian-American churches, exploring Italian-American neighborhoods, cataloging the statues in their churches. He's giving us a living, um, I don't know, encyclopedia doesn't even kind of touch the surface. I don't know, John. Vatimekum, I don't even know what to call it, of, of Italian-American neighborhoods and communities and food and everything else, but specifically Italian-American feasts. And I want to publicly thank Anthony because if you get Anthony to get the word out, everybody knows. Yeah. Right? Everybody follows. Tony Manja is a celebrity, right? I didn't realize, I tell people this story all the time when, they try, when I try to explain who you are. I was with him one time and one of the top rated Zagat restaurants in New York opened up a New Jersey version of their restaurant and i walked in there with anthony they had no idea who we were we just sat in the back and this highly rated zagat chef comes out the owner rather comes out and says to anthony what an honor and privilege it is to have you in our restaurant and i want you to know that i told all the wait staff tonight that anything that you guys really want just let us know and we'll hope that it lives up to your expectations that's the rock star that he is He's a member of the Congreg. He's a member of our society. He has family that came from Monte San Giacomo, probably the town that's the most devoted to Morona Ramon after Novi Valle. And Anthony helps us by getting the word out. So everybody can help because everybody's got different talents. People can do different things. People can volunteer. People can go out, hang posters. This year, I had so much help with people who just took posters and went around and taped those posters in store windows and in businesses that's a tremendous, tremendous help. Yeah. That is an incredible help 
that people do that you can't even put a numerical value on. So when people come and they try to do these projects, just because you may not necessarily be able to give financially, there's a lot of stuff you can do, but everybody can do something. I think you're right. I think it's a, it takes a village. And I think that, I mean, I know a lot of the people on this call and I know how much we all care about not just you anymore, but really the feast and the result and what it means to people and the amount of people that come out. I mean, it's a very, very well attended event and I see new people every year. I mean, you know, we would constantly have to add more chairs for people for mass. We've run out of chairs. Yeah. yeah I mean, we have good problems. Good problems. All the problems we have are the problems that people envy. You got young guys lifting, young women doing their part. You've got people of all generations. You have non-Italian people who come out because of their devotion. And it's just a really important cause. And I think the fact that people can contribute in so many different ways, you know, between finance, between volunteer hours, between helping to get the word out, being there and lifting, being there and participating in the congrega, you know, this is a it's a big part of it, too. You, you set the example. So I, I think it's a not just great to um, publicly thank everybody, but I know you want to sort of engage everybody in the conversation and uh, talk a little about, you know, what goes on there and everybody's role. So that I'll let you take that away because I think it's good to have the conversation with those people who do support it. Valerie, I got to ask you, you didn't know who I was. And maybe I guess you listened to the podcast. I didn't know you. What inspired you to help me? Um, oh, I think it's a good cause. I think it's a great cause. I think everything you do, everything the entire team does is extremely important. So I just wanted to support you in something that you were doing. You, you do so much for all of us. That means a lot. You have no idea how much that, that support. Because when you have someone, you know, a lot of times like people give, well, I know him, I got to give. And, oh, I know him, I got to help him out. But when someone comes out of the blue and gives you such a pat on the back, you're like, wow, it makes the man hours. And I'm not alone. This is not everybody. There's so many people that help me with this. And, you know, it makes it all worthwhile when you feel like, wow. And it's not that you need to feel appreciated, but, you know, you see that people actually think that what, what you're doing is worth time. But, Anthony, I got to go to you next. Anthony, I don't need to I don't need to pass you the microphone. You could take it all on your own. Well, I, I do want to say one thing, Patrick, and I and I, I have to, I, this is, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. It's because of you. I might have introduced you to a famous chef or a famous restaurateur, but you brought me back to the church. It was because of you that I go to church every Sunday now. It was because of you that I understand the Latin Mass. It is because of you that I really dive into my Italian heritage. I mean, I've always loved my Italian heritage, but you are my... Um, you're, you're my rabbi, in a way. You know, you, 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 because of you, and I, and I tell everybody... You know, why people ask, why, why do I go to church? Why, you know, you're, you're a young guy. Young people don't go to church. I say it's because Patrick O'Boyle introduced me back to, to, <laughs> to, to, to the church. I, I always ask, you always say that, and it means a lot to me, but I don't know how it happened. I, I can tell you how it happened. It happened in 2014. You said, uh, you told me, you said, you text me, you called me, you said, come to uh, Jersey City. There's going to be a mass on a Sunday. You know, it's, it's a Latin mass. It's something, you know, it's the mass that, of the ages. Come and check it out. And I came and checked it out. And I don't go to the Latin mass every Sunday. But but I I finally understood all the years of being a Catholic what it really means, and again I don't like I said I don't go to Latin Mass uh, uh, weekly but but I understand my faith now because of you. Wow, yeah, Pat, that goes for me too. I got to tell you, you you brought me back to the church in a much different way than I I ever would have been. So, and I'm sure Tony and I are not the only ones. Yeah, but it wasn't. I often say the Latin Mass is Catholicism gateway drug. 
was probably that's true. all you got to do. You just got to sprinkle a little bit on, and then once people get Nick, Nick, that's that Nick. If there's anybody who can sell that point, it's you. That's yeah, actually no, how that's... we met. Gabriella put us in the and put you, me, and John hooked us up for lunch because no, we're no, I very... did that. I did. That no, yeah, 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 John did that. Yeah, Nick and I. I met you. I met I met you through through John at Bermontes in yep. Brooklyn for Mike Piazza's party. Yeah, didn't we meet once before that we had lunch in the city? No, at that German place. No, that was after you picked that German restaurant. Yeah, yeah, I love that German restaurant. Anthony, that's <laughs> a German that restaurant. German, they, they, deep fried uh, Wiener ah, yeah, and, and we yeah. had uh, beer steins. <laughs> yeah, but that's Nick. Nick and I met each other through NIAF because I was at NIAF and Gabriella Maletti, who was working there with me, was from Cleveland. She said, oh, you got to meet this guy. He's very active. And we met and obviously connected on our heritage. But then we ran into each other again at a cigar night with Mike Piazza at the Panthers, right? Yeah. At the Panthers. And we just started chit chatting. You know, we hadn't kept in touch after that night lunch. And we started talking about faith and everything opened up. I said, you got to meet Pat. And then we had the dinner and uh, the lunch for Mike Piazza and Montes, and you guys got to meet and it's all been just amazing friendship from there. So the church has brought a lot of people together. How you want to know how amazing it is. My brother and I have each subsequently been a godfather to one of Nick's kids. That's a Goombada double bond. That's like a double. <laughs> yeah, what do they call it? Double helix. I never took chemistry. That's like it. I cannot yeah, my way out of chemistry. Now, yeah. <laughs> that's like double Goombada. That's like a Goombada. That's high praise. Is it, John? Could you do a double Goombada T-shirt? <laughs> sure, sure. Why not? There's no higher honor in, in Italian American world than to baptize somebody's kid. No, that's true. I think a Terza Goombada T-shirt would be good. It's just got to get a. Maybe after the next baby, I'll have a Terza Goombada T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, just... La Santa Trinidad de Goombada. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Do you guys also feel like me now? Why are people listening to this? <laughs> and this is conversation. Like, why are people listening to this? Because you're doing good work and you're working hard on it. And you've got a lot of people who care about it. I still know why people listen. To I mean, they do. The numbers are there. But Fran, I, I want to come over to you, Fran, because you have a really special connection also because um, my people and your people come from the same place in Italy, right? We're over the right. hill from each other. Right. So this is something... The, the pilgrimage to Novi Velia is something that both our families experienced. Like that's part of our, 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 our common shared tradition. And I know you as a first generation American, um, very much to Unico National, uh, you're very active in the Italian American community. Why don't you tell us what, what do these things mean to you as, as a first generation Italian American preserving, because your girls are getting older now, right? They're yeah. going to be at the age and they're going to be starting their own families, and you're going to have grandchildren yeah. and great grandchildren, God willing. Yeah. And and you're the you're the first American born generation, right? Now you have to pass this on. Why are these events and these institutions so important to you? Well, I mean, I hope that with my girls that I've given them a lot of the stuff that you know I grew up with. And you know, my oldest is 29; she's about to be married, and she still looks forward to coming here for Sunday dinner. My other girls are always around too. Mom, you're cooking, mom, you could. And it's not just about the food. It's just about being together, being with my mother, you know, their grandmother, even with my mother-in-law. I want them to have as much as we can, the same childhood that I had. And it's very important for me. You know, and you talked about Unico too, Pat. One of the biggest reasons why I helped you is because to get these things off the ground, you need a lot of help. You know, and I did it for you. I did it for my dad my Parents love going to that feast every year. So that was one of the biggest draw why I needed to help you with the feast. You know, Fran, to your point, um, especially now that I have my first daughter and we're experiencing similar things, you know, 
the idea of how Pat has done this feast, right? Because when it existed prior, it was in downtown Jersey City. And it was like a lot of other feasts in this country. You, you know, take the go to mass, take the saint, uh, process around the streets, have the feast afterwards. Uh, when Pat decided he wanted to take this thing back out to the people, there was not much of a neighborhood left in downtown Jersey City. So he moved it to this monastery in Clifton. Well, we had all, we, we had actually been at the monastery since the late 60s. Oh, is that right? That it was. What happened was in 1966, the priest who was at Holy Rose in Jersey City at the time where the feast was stopped all of the feasts and processions coming out of the church. And it's a long story what happened. He re them in 1968. But by that time, a lot of them had either died out completely because they just didn't reinvigorate from that blow or they moved to Holy Face Monastery. So Holy Face Monastery was a monastery in Clifton, New Jersey that was founded um, and staffed by Italian Benedictine monks, Silvestrian Benedictine monks. And Italians had made pilgrimages there. Uh, and it's in a great location. It was like 10, 12 miles from Jersey City. And it has a fantastic view of Manhattan. And that is that is how the migration happened. And that was kind of like the bunker because you know there's, also, there's so much history. We could do a series on feasts. But everybody, all these Italian communities have roots. They have something, right? You know, John and I, we've been really fascinated. Um, Tiffany, one of our listeners in, in Utah, even though she's not long-term Italian-American in Utah, but there were Italian communities in Utah in the 20s and 30s and before. They didn't have specifically Italian parishes. They were just Catholic churches because you had a mixed community, but they were predominantly Italian. They were Italian American. There were processions and feasts and stuff like that that seemed to have died down because Italians were a minority in a place where, you know, between the Anglo-Saxon and the Mormon populations, their public expressions kind of didn't fit into the common culture. And consequently, they, they kind of retracted to kind of fit in a little bit more, uh, which was common in a lot of parts of America. But there, there, these little spots of history, I think even the, there was a, I think Birmingham, Alabama had St. Mark's had an Italian parish. And I think there might've been a procession there. I mean, like there was, this was an, a cultural experience that was, that was all throughout the country and it belonged to so many Italian communities. And now we're in times of real disruptive change, right? Um, urban centers, some of them are not as safe as they used to be, we're kind of like reliving the 1970s in some places. People have moved, they moved from some states to other states. So where the traditional Italian bastions have been, are being depopulated. And, you know, you have a leadership, a lot of these organizations, either um, by choice or just by circumstances, are led by a lot of older people who are kind of either too tired to do it or kind of passing on. And so now they're looking for younger leadership. These Italian-American feasts and traditions, a lot of them are facing challenges. Uh, uh, existential? I guess that would be the, the word, right? Yeah. The, the challenges to their actual existence. And it's very hard. And that was my point to, to what Fran was saying before, which is about passing something on that's evolved, right? Like the feast is different than it. It's different every year, but it's that your version is different than it might have been before you revived it, whether it was at Holy Face or not. You know, you've added games. Hey, John, you've can added I just food. stop you there? Yeah. Because you made a great point. I want to 100% highlight what you just said. It has absolutely changed because if it did not change, it would not have survived. Mm -hmm. And that's a very hard line. And um, Steve LaRocca is the model of this, right? Steve LaRocca, who does St. Rocco in Manhattan, they've gone to like three or four churches, like three churches were closed on them over time. The neighborhood went, the neighborhood's totally on Italian now. Steve is a survivor. And Steve has done what he's had to do. They used to feast just be on August 16th. He moved it on Sunday so more people could come. 
Steve's been a survivor. Now he's done things to change it in the fact of moving around, moving to different parts of Manhattan, uh, modernizing it, moving to the Sunday, the external solemnity as opposed to the actual feast day. But Steve also did stuff like he went back to Italy because they used to have wax ex voto in their procession that were formed like body parts of people who had petitions because they were sick. Steve went back to Calabria. Steve did a tremendous amount of work and found people in Calabria who produced these wax body parts though. And he had them brought back to the US. So Steve, you know, I take a lot of inspiration from Steve because he, he did the combo. He modernized where he needed to modernize. He went back to the original traditions where he had to go back to the original traditions. But in both ways, he made the changes. Some going forward in, in one sense and some going back to guarantee the feast survival. And you, and you have to do that. If you want to do it the way it's always been done, the world changes too much and you're not going to survive unless you have a reasonable flexibility. Pat, Pat can I just say, I think that you, you're you becoming the gold standard though of, of what a feast should be because again, a lot of feasts are changing. We, we go to feasts almost every week. Now that feast season is kind of getting into full swing. We're at, we're at a feast every weekend almost and kind of what you're doing to revive it, to bring it back, you're setting this, I guess it's, a, it's the gold standard, but it's also, like you said, it's, it's a way to evolve. It's showing how feasts should evolve. They, they shouldn't get rid of feasts. Feasts should not be stopped. They should not stop processions. They should not stop these special masses. Uh, but I think that what, the way you, how you evolved from Jersey City to Holy Face Monastery, and how you even evolved over the last few years at Holy Face, I think that you are the gold standard. People should be reaching out, should be dying to call you to, to try to do the same thing for their feast. Yeah, and, you know, Anthony, I, I appreciate the compliment. We've tried to help people. One of our listeners, Rosemary Antley Ferdinand, who was on the show about the wonderful work she's doing bringing Sicilian nurses and American nurses together from Florida for the project that she's doing that I know Unico is helping her with. She's also very devoted. I'd like to bring her on another time to talk about Marona de la Vigna, which is from Cerami in Sicily, close to Hawaii, where Anthony's family is from. She has a very, very, very strong devotion in her family to Madonna de la Vigna. And Madonna de la Vigna used to be celebrated about like 15 years ago, I guess, Anthony, but a procession. Yeah, around there, around there. About 50, in North Caldwell, New Jersey. It was never what it, 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 never was what it was. The, the, the last, of, I guess, the vestiges of it was never what it, what it was back in the day. Yeah, and I said to her, I said to her, she's living in Florida now. I said, maybe you bring it down to Florida. You know, there's a huge Italian-American community. In, you know, there's a lot of different things she's gone over in her head, but there's a huge Italian-American and they're expats right, from all different Italian enclaves around the country. In Florida now, maybe that's where you go next. You know, maybe you do it down there. And a lot of people, they get disconcerted when you, not Rosemary, but other people, like, well, we've always had it here. You know, I wish it was on Brunswick Street in Jersey City, too. I also still wish I was 21. Neither of those things are going to happen. <laughs> you got to go with the program. And you know what the point is, too, about evolving and about changing and about the why? I mean, obviously, everybody on this call, many of us have expressed our personal faith and our commitment to uh, church, the mass and those things, that, that's our personal business. And I think we're all happy to share it here in this forum. But the truth is, I know our listener base runs the gamut of all kinds of religions, no religious, a religious agnostic. Well, you know, as Pat always teases Zoroastrian, it doesn't matter. The beauty of these feasts is they are rooted in the expression of faith and in deep traditions of that faith. But if you are an atheist, once you see some of these processions, even from a human perspective, they're moving. The gateway yeah. drug, yeah, and, and the gateway drug. They're they're beautiful, and they're and they they have you know, first of all, if you go backwards, right, they have amazing significance in the Italian American community because chances are 
a, a significant percentage of these things started when Italians were still worshiping in a basement. As Michael Orsi writes so brilliantly in his Madonna of 115th Street, this was not just the feast as it had been done in the ancestral village or city. It was also coming out of the basement church once a year and proclaiming our presence in communities that were oftentimes hostile to our being there. And and we were there in immensely significant numbers. So, you know, many, many parallels to conversations today around the disruption that comes when people move into different neighborhoods. I mean, it's not unheard of in our social experience uh, historically here in this country. So first and foremost, they mean a great deal for the Italian-American kind of pronouncement of who we are and the fact that we are here. Then if you go backwards even further, they're a phenomenal connection to the places we came from because you find people who may have no idea around the identity of the patron saint, let alone the town that they came from. But when they do find out, you may say, oh, my cousin's named after the saint, or you may make all those connections. We've talked about it on a lot of episodes. So it's a lot about where you come from, too. And I remember Pat and I taking my dad and his friends. My, my dad had obviously been back to Italy, uh, took us as we were kids back to the towns. But a lot of my dad's buddies he grew up with from when he was three years old come from the same neighborhood in Brooklyn. And a lot of people in our neighborhood are from the town of Tejano. And it's not that far from uh, my grandmother's town, but many of them had never been back. And so when they all turned 65, my dad said, you know, let's all go back together. He asked me if I would be the tour guide. I said, you know, a lot of what I've done over the past 20 years has been done with Pat. So it, we, I kind of need to, him and I to do it together. So he brought both of us out there and we started in Rome, went to Naples, went to Sorrento. And eventually, like the last stop was in Tijano. And it just so happened that we had coordinated it. I don't think we did it on purpose, that we happened to be in Tijano on the feast of San Cono, which is the patron saint of the town. And I mean, Pat, correct me if I'm, I have false memories, but like, these guys were so overwhelmed emotionally. I remember uh, one of my dad's friends, Billy, whose family's Tejanae, saying, I can't believe they're processing just like they did when I was growing up, half of them without shoes and devotion. My uncles used to do that. My mother used to. I mean, it was, it was a very emotional time for them to see a feast that they had kind of left behind in their own lifestyle, uh, vibrant and, and lived in its original place in Italy. That was one of the most special days of my life. Yeah, it was really powerful. For many reasons. I think um, for your father's friends, the, the connection is um, these are kids in Brooklyn who had a very strong Italian-American identity, and particularly an identity with Tejano and with San Cono with Tejano. Who, which, San Cono and Tejano are synonymous. San Cono is Tejano and Tejano is San Cono. And to see these guys go back to see the actual feast taking place in Tejano on the feast day as the statue left the cathedral, there was kind of like this feeling of, I can't believe I'm here from those guys. And I'm not just saying this to, you know, I, I don't know what, I don't know what, if they're religious or non-religious, they're your father's friends. I don't know them well enough. If they're believers, if they're not believers, and that's none of my business, that's between them and God. But the on a, on a human level, they, they actually to stand there with that knowledge of, you know, my great grandparents did there. Cause you know, like I, I've said this to John, my grandfather's grandfather, which I never found, I only found out not that long ago, was actually in Tijano. And I, I thought when was from Tijano, born there. And I I stood in that cathedral. Um, and I think to myself, like I'm looking at a pulpit from the ninth century, and I'm like, you know, I have ancestors that go back here, you know, for a thousand years as far as back as, as the genealogists can take me. 
And they looked at this pulpit, right? And when they left for America, did they ever think, because the pulpit in Tijano's app, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in Italy, in the cathedral, did they ever think that one day one of their descendants would come back here and see this pulpit, right? And see this church and see the body of San Cono. And I think for people, you know, that there's also, there's a deep spirituality with that, right? Like so many Italian, I mean, if you're listening, you connect with your ancestors, whether it's on an intellectual level, a spiritual level, it's an emotional level. And to be able to participate in something that they would have recognized, right? The beauty of the traditional Latin mass or of a procession is if it's from the town you're from in Italy, you know, um, your ancestors would know, maybe you can't speak Italian. Maybe your ancestors couldn't speak Italian. Their dialect was so different. Their local language that it wouldn't have been unintelligible to Italian. But you would share that experience. You know, I think, Fran, I, I had this conversation with a lot of the people from the Trelento. Like, our ancestors were climbing that mountain for a thousand years, right? There, were, there was a shrine up there um, in Novi Velia from when Christianity took over the area like in the third century. You know, there was a shrine to the, the, the Greek, uh, Greek goddess Hera was taken down and they put up a shrine to the Virgin Mary. Um, because they saw Hera as a demon and, and they wanted to redeem the mountain with the mother of God. So that's what happened. And from that time on, our ancestors climbed up that mountain. You know, and there's something to be said. You know, I can meet an ancestor from a thousand years ago. I have no idea what their name is or or what their connection was. And Tijano also, all the towns of, of that area, Salerno, the Chilento and the Val di Diano, all made that pilgrimage up the mountain, even parts of Calabria, parts of Basilicata, you know, commonly known as Lucania made that pilgrimage. And even if I, I couldn't have anything else in common with that ancestor from my life experience to theirs, that statue, that shrine is something that has surpassed the millennium of space between us that I, I can share with them. And I don't know, that's a big part of why I feel connect, so connected to this. The beauty of it is that there's something for everybody in this. And it may be about your ancestry, maybe about your faith, maybe about just a really nice weekend. I mean, I, I have some friends coming simply because they want to enjoy a really nice family weekend. It's out at a beautiful monastery. There is food. We didn't even talk about how great the Sanda Mangese, uh pork sandwiches are. I mean, you know, that's a whole other uh, whole other draw for everybody that wants to come out. It's, it's fantastic. Fun time, a lot of games. You may not be religious, but the Sanda Mangese sandwich will bring you to heaven. <laughs> that's a t-shirt right there that's a perfect t-shirt could you do that yes i can that's like the holy cannoli t-shirt of ferrara yeah. i got it in my head that already good i'm good i'm getting good at these these t-shirt you're just spitting out t-shirt ideas Tiny boy, we could got a business going with this i come up with these whacked out phrases we have a business called italianpower.com we sell hundreds of t-shirts every week i didn't even know that i have no people have no idea i have no idea <laughs> you don't know on. what goes on John's like, for our advertising like, we had advertising <laughs> Think people know. think I'm lying. I'm making it up. I really am that clueless. Uh, yeah, I, know. I am like the most rimbambi the person that walks the earth. <laughs> am I right or wrong? If I didn't have my brother as my babysitter, you ever travel with me? You'll never travel again. If That's he has true. to sit me down in the in the in the air, here's your ticket. Here's your ticket. When the lady asks you, you hand her this. You put it on the scanner. Yeah. That's yes, true. true. Yeah, travel. <laughs> I travel love traveling with, with you. If you have but... a lot of sins, if you've done horrible things in your life. And you want to make right with God, you want to do penance, volunteer to be my babysitter on a trip. <laughs> and no matter, you could have, you could have, you could have killed a bus full of orphans. You're going to get off. <laughs> <it's tough. laughs> you, you definitely. I well, still let me go tell to you. hotels looking for bellhops. I'm like, where's the you bellhop? You do. We You're the greatest. Yeah. You mean there's no bellhop. <laughs> but I will say one thing. You know a lot about the feast. You know a lot uh, about 
history, the church, why we do these things. And frankly, you know a lot about how to be a good an effective role model and leader and all these wonderful people. I'm an Irish ward leader, Johnny. Boy. You are an Irish, I but you're, I could, but I you're a virtuous a one. Teamster. You're I'm a sorry? virtuous one, though. That's the Castle could have got me a job. I would have been a great union leader. You would have been. But a that's great... the message. I am the union leader, but it takes a it takes a village. Yeah. You know, everybody, you know, France up here because she helped. Valerie helped. You know, Nick helps. Nick's all the way out in Cleveland. He's never even come. Nick helps. Yeah. Nick knows it's important to me. It's important what we do. You know, Anthony, if you got anything, you have a beefsteak dinner, become Tony Manja's friend and the whole world is going to know for good or for bad what's going on in your life, right? Everybody's got a skill they bring, right? Those guys who went and hung up those flyers for me have no idea the help they gave, right? Even if you help someone setting up and they're there, you know, when you run these events, you get, you're there two o'clock in the morning, the night before setting up, you're tired. Bring them a couple donuts and a cup of coffee. If that's the most you can do, that's a big help, right? Yeah. The next day, you got to clean up after the party. Everybody leaves. Help and volunteer to clean up the, the next day. There's, a, there's something for everyone to do because if we don't row together in these Italian-American events in the community, we're gone. Yeah. You know, we, we try to keep the conversations positive. We've lost a lot of Italian feasts since COVID. Mm-hmm. The, the, the membership was old. They can't do what they, they used to do anymore. You know, everything that was involved with COVID kind of knocked them on their backside. And are they coming back? Only God knows. And it's also like, you know, it, like uh, they say in business, like key uh, man risk, right? Or key woman risk. You know, it's like when I started cooking Christmas Eve from my grandparents after my grandfather died and made my grandmother teach me. I made a decision. I don't know how I had the foresight. I just thought it'd be a good time. When I was 18, I took all my cousins and brothers who are all younger than me, and I made them come with me on the shopping and come with me and cook with me and sous chef. And now it was granted we had a lot of fun and we got to spend time together. But now, if anything ever happened to me, I know each one of those members of my family could replicate all my recipes, host the entire Christmas Eve together. And so if you participate in these things, too, you know, it's easy to rely on somebody like Pat who has a passion and who has the institutional knowledge and who's got all the strings kind of tied to his hands because he's been running it. But don't forget, your role may be to keep things going in lieu of somebody else. And I don't mean, you know, the death or anything like that, but just there's things people can't do. Yeah, but that's a good point, John. I'm not going to, I mean, I don't want to be the Italian now when I'm gone, you're going to cry along, you know, the stuff my grandmother used to say, but. You love that, by the way. You said that to me in the middle. Sure, of I say when I'm gone. When I'm gone, when I'm gone, you always tell me when. Yeah, when when I'm done, you're gonna cry. I know. Yeah, you do love that. That's that's true. No, but it's true. But I'll save that for another episode. (laughs) You know, I'm 48, right? I'm halfway to Gamble's Aunt, right? Let's 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 not sugarcoat it. And I'm not. I'm not. That's life. What it is. And now that I got guys in their early 20s who are involved, that I'm I'm teaching, right? Because it takes you got to build institutional knowledge when you're involved with something. It takes 20 or 30 years to really learn how to run something, I see the crowd behind me. And I know that, you know, in 2051, we'll be a hundred years old. You know, I don't know where I'm going to be, but I know there's a crowd behind me that people are going to be there. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. And I hope when they do 150, I don't think I'm going to be around for that one, but I hope the grandchildren of the people behind me keep this going. You know, Hamilton, New Jersey, it, it sounds crazy. Hamilton, New Jersey has been doing their feast since like 1875. Wow. They're pushing 150. That's in Italy now. You know, in Italy, well, we've been doing this for 500 years. That's the new, that's the new feast, right? That church is only 600 years old. There's a new over 600 years old, you know, but you know, we're getting there. We're aging as a country and maybe these Italian American institutions, maybe one day Madonna Bond will be having its 300th anniversary. Yeah. God willing. God spares. That, That would be unbelievable. Well, first of all, 
on behalf of all of us, thank you, everybody, for coming on. And uh, and I'll say, as uh, his chief major Duomo, thank you for all your support for the feast and for Pat. I, I, it really does mean a lot to all of us who are uh, his uh, disciples. But uh, I do want to make a point to point out to our audience that if you're inclined to help, if you want to come out, we're going to obviously have all of the dates posted throughout our social media, May 20th, the times, the event, all the uh, addresses and locations. But, Pat, if people want to help, if they want to contribute financially, what's the best way to do that? I'm always pitching to buy somebody else's book, and today you're buying mine. <laughs> Open up that wallet. Some of you have your confirmation money wrapped up with rubber bands. I hate to tell you that there are no U-Hauls in funeral processions. You cannot take it with you. If you think the undertaker is going to put it in the box, he's going to close it before he shuts it. You cannot take it with you. We need your help because of the help last year, we bought this out of control gonfalone and people said it could not be done and it has been done. And that is going to be the highlight of this year's feast. We have a lot of plans for what we want to do this year. We've got bills to pay for this year and there are plenty of bills. We have stuff we want to do for next year and I need your money. If you got to give it, give it. If you don't have it, there's a lot of ways you can help. Repost the poster, send us good vibes, pray for us, do whatever you want to do. But if you do have a few shekels you can throw our way, we would be very, very appreciative. And with this, we are relaunching our GoFundMe campaign that just like we had last year. What's the website for, for those who are interested, the, the main website for the feast? So if you want to learn more about what we're doing, we launched a website last year, thanks to your generosity, morondosacramonteusa.com. Um, and that's it. Be generous. It's going to a good cause. And if you come on May 20th, you will see where the money goes. And if you're a man who wants to participate in the lift or if you're a woman who wants to participate or you have kids that want to participate, let Pat know. Reach out on social media because there's roles for everybody to play in the procession. As long as you're in good health. If yeah, you're yeah. two steps away from a heart attack, it's not for you. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it's a heavy statue. If you, if you haven't been to the gym since, like, the Kennedy administration, it's it, that, you know, it's a heavy statue. But if you are, there's all those gym rats we have out there, right, John? Yeah. They go to the gym, like, you know, those 20-year-old kids that go to the gym, like, twice a day for an hour a day. You're in the shape that you can lift. I have, you know what I have coming this year? Cause I'm, uh, cause this is the stuff I have angels in the procession this year. And I have, I have children. I have little girls in votive habits because the tradition in Italy that's still strong in a lot of parts of Italy is that people were particularly devoted for a saint who looked out for one of their kids. They have their kid dressed on the feast day. In the old days, they were dressed every day in the outfit until they made first Holy communion. But a lot of parts in Italy on the feast day up until the year that the kids make communion they will be dressed to look like um, the saint who, who interceded for them. So we have a group of little girls dressed up like Madonna Ramont who will be in the procession. No matter what your take on religion is, it is extremely authentic Italian, Southern America, Southern Italian. Am I right, John? Yeah, you are doing a great job of being a vessel for as many traditions as you can that would be authentic to the feast in different eras, uh, you know, it's a great thing to see, and you're going to see a lot of authenticity. You're going to eat well. You're going to have fun. You're going to play games. You're going to hear great music. You're going to meet amazing people. Of course, uh, top of that list is the notorious P.O.B., who I'm sure a lot of people would be thrilled to get to hang out with. Uh, he's a little busy that day, but he definitely makes time. Yeah, everybody. if I haven't met you before, that's not the day to have a conversation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll give you my number. I talk to everybody. But like, well, I haven't. And then they get insulted. That yeah. is a very stressful. That is that is passion. Like, I can't believe you didn't stop and talk to me. That's not the day. That's, That's true. a heavy stress. And, you know, my biggest thank you goes out to the Sandu Mangesa Society, of which I'm a member. 
and which I'm a proud descendant. Had it not been for the Santo Mangese, there would be no food. They they are a huge part of this this event. Yeah, and the Joye is going to be this year. I think making Zapula. So there's a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of flags flying under this banner. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's really really something I always look forward to. I'm bringing my family out this year. Bring the baby. Uh, You're gonna bring the baby. Yeah. Well, this is how it starts. That's right. Bring your yeah. kids. Listen, please don't tell me your kids have soccer. Or ba- they're not going to get a soccer scholarship as much as you hope. <laughs> they're not going to be playing for like Northwestern. They could keep smoking what you're smoking. And if they are, are one day's not going to. I mean, not if they are, kill that. if you're that one in a million, yeah. But I mean, you know, your kids got kung fu, karate, ballet. You could take one. They they're going to live. They'll even actually get an education. Yeah. One day. Even if you take that day off to show them something that's authentic Italian experience. The world is not going to end because they missed their cross-country, tri-county uh, lacrosse tournament. <laughs> I give you my word. The first time I met you, you were in my parents' house. You were in the kitchen. I came in through the living room, and you were saying that exact same thing to my father about these kids with the soccer. They think they're going to this. They think they're going to that. And I said to my mom, who is this guy? I love your mother so much. Yeah. I really do. I am your mother's biggest fan. I had so yeah. much fun with your parents. Your father could have your father could have taught a school the stuff he knew. Yeah. It's a shame your father's not with us anymore because your mother and father could run a Italian American day camp. <laughs> and you know, think of how blessed your kids are, all the grandchildren in your family, because you guys made the right decision. Yeah. Your kids were close to your your parents because you made it a priority. Yep, true. They still go visit her. And they're from 29 to 10 now. Every Sunday they're there. So thank God we have that. Thank God. It's an important thing. And yes, it's a, this is a great way to dip your toe into the everything, the culture, the faith, the traditions, the time spent together, most importantly of all, taking that pause from a crazy life and being together. And uh you know, Pat, you're a great vessel for that. So thank you, Pat, for all you've done. Oh, don't thank me. Well, not thank you, really, honestly, for all of us here on the call and uh, for your feast and for the community and uh, for all these other feasts that have kind of sprouted out of it like seedlings. So I hope everybody will go out there, check out the website, come and see us and have a wonderful day with us, May 20th. And don't forget to go fund me. And don't forget his GoFundMe. Nothing sounds as good as your shekels in the box. We're straight from the mouth of the ward leader. So. Straight from the mouth of the ward leader. Because next year... Who knows what I'll do next year? I'm thinking of feast lights. From, I'm sick, John. You know that. Yeah. Because now I'm running up, out. I'm running out. I'm like Alexander the Great running out of mountains to climb. Five years from now, this is going to grow into we bought a small town in the middle of cold country, Pennsylvania. The feast is moving there. We've always talked and about now the we're going to just have people live at this compound. It's going to be the feast of the compound. Like everything else we touch, it's just going to get bigger and better and crazier. And, uh, you know, one day they'll institutionalize us. But until we are sent away, Uh, with the big butterfly nets. You can find us every week here on the Italian American Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. If you want your life to be great, see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born an Italiano 